Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is full of practical and relevant behavioral teaching from God's Word, the Bible. We'd like to invite you to grab a piece of paper and a pen. Take notes as you go through this looking for a personal application from God to you. Sit back and enjoy as we begin this message. and taking on the Pharaoh. and I don't know that there was such a licensed expert. Do you? I don't think there was someone available. What, what God said is, no, I'm choosing you. And this morning I want to talk with you. you. If you saw any kind of thing that was to come, this morning I want to talk to you about the idea that somehow the church has actually bought into the idea that we need escorts. Or uh, 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 experts, rather. That we need actually experts into this whole kingdom the perfect the perfect people for the job are the experts you know we need experts but before we do father i invite your spirit to just absolutely saturate us today let the river flow through us into us transforming us to transform others with hope today in the name of jesus and every believer said Amen. God bless you guys. Give the Lord a huge hand. Give our band a hand as well. And yeah, bring up the house lights. I want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, when the lights come on, there's a little squinting that goes on. It's okay. We get through it. Eyes adjust. Just a little bit of a blinding thing that goes on, but eyes adjust. And those of you that are on the broadcast, let's welcome those who are joining the broadcast. Give them a huge hand this morning. Thank you. Wherever you're watching from, wherever you are, thank you for joining us in the broadcast. We love that you've joined us. We are excited that you've joined us. We continue to get uh, different viewers from all over, uh, from Florida to Canada to Latin America, some over in Europe. And uh, and so we're just continuing to watch the broadcast grow. People continue to check in sometime later through the week. We, we continue to see that, and we are excited about that. Just know... Nothing. I, I just want to continue to restate what we have stated since the first Sunday that we actually recorded here. And that was this. And this is a live broadcast. This is not a recording. But uh, but we just wanted to, to say nothing is out of control. For the believer, the believer should be the model peace person. Did you get my email this week or did you see on the on the uh, Facebook this week that whole issue of living at peace with everyone? Just living... How many got my email this week or got or watched it on Facebook? The, God's word says that if it has to do with you, as far as it has to do with you, live at peace with everyone. What I said on that particular day is this, is this. I have learned that in order to live at peace with everyone else, the greatest way to do that is first be living in peace with God. Because I have found if I am really living in peace with God and walking in the spirit, walking under God's anointing in perfect peace, who is perfect peace? Jesus. If I am walking in perfect peace, when something of turmoil comes up or something of controversy comes up and someone tries to bring me into the controversy, I can bring peace because I'm already walking in peace. 
You know, you're set, if you're saturated in peace, I got out of a pool yesterday because we, Gina and I took the grandkids over to Dan and Kristen's pool that are sitting way in the back there. And uh, we went over to their swimming pool and, and uh, our grandkids were flopping in the water. I was flopping in the water and then I'd get out and dry like a, you know, anyway, I, st- I was tanning a little bit. You know, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't take much St. Louis sun in July to burn. So we got back in. Now I know what the bears do at the zoo. I'd have to get back in every once in a while just to cool off. Can I tell you, every time I got out of that pool, because I was wading in the pool, I was dripping all over. When I got back to my seat, I was dripping all over my seat. I was dripping all over my towel. When you're wading in the Spirit, when you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to drip Spirit. It just is that way. It's the flow of the Holy Spirit. He just When you're walking in the Lord, walking in peace with God, you tend to be more prepared to bring peace into a moment than when you're watching... You know, CSNBC, CNN, Fox News, ABC, CBS, uh, and, and all the other CCCs. I mean, seriously, you're tense by the time. Turn those off and get into the true good news. Really, be, be playing great Christian music in your home because there's a way to walk in the Spirit and abide in, the, in, in peace with God. And that way, when, when there's a controversial moment, you can say, you know what? I have just found that God is so good. Well, what's that got to do with a mask? Nothing. That's the point. The point is Jesus is the issue, not the mask. In the name of Jesus, he is the issue. He is the issue. He is too many believers buying into the idea that something else or someone else is the issue. You know, we got a political year coming up. We got to get all these. No, I got a king. I've said this a hundred times here. I've got a king and he knows my name. I'm not worried about president, Congress, judges. I'm, I'm not even worried. About, my king knows my name. And he knows your name too on the broadcast. He knows your name in this room. He knows our name. And by the way, he's not just aware of us. He adores us and he loves us. So today I just want you to just restate. Nothing is out of control. Do not buy into. Oh, it's critical. It's critical. We have got to, I mean, we've got to. Use good judgment and run to Jesus in the same breath. Run to Jesus. Run to him every time, every time. Perfect peace. Run to the the one who is perfect peace in the name of Jesus. But I want to talk to you this morning. Just it's a it's a story. All of us that have been raised in Sunday school, all of us have heard this story. But before we do, I just want to tell you, years ago, the whole idea of, the first time I heard actually the phrase, we need an expert, was actually when I was on a board of a church years ago. And I won't give too much information away, but, but I was on the board of a church and our pastor resigned. And so it triggered this thing called the pastoral search committee. Don't you know that God is the author of all committees? Don't you know that God is the author of committee? He, he's the author of committee. And uh, I, so I, I happened to be the vice chair of the board. And when the pastor resigned, it made me temporary chair of the board. The, tw- the youngest chairman of the board, though it was temporary, in the history of this church of 70 some odd years. And I was 26 Year, no, 27 years of age by that time. I was 27 years of age, elected at 26, replacing a pastor on, in my 27th year of my life. Some of these men were con- amazing, just 
older men and women of faith. I mean, people of faith, real people of faith. But can I tell you, all of a sudden, when dealing with a crisis, all of a sudden, you know, we called our first meeting to talk about, you know, what are we, what are we, what are we going to be doing? You know, we need to, and our thoughts were, some of, several of us said, we just need to be praying right now. We need to be going to the Lord, fasting and praying as leaders. And, and there was this underlying kind of a pressure. Yeah, but we cannot wait long to get this process started, you know. And, and so I was the youngest guy in the room. And I, there was a few that said, now, guys, we don't want to rush before the Lord. God's got this thing taken care of. Every once in a while, a voice would rise up from a man named Jim Ole. This God, he was like Jesus with skin on. This guy, when he spoke, do you remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? Y'all remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? When E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listened. And, and, and for the most part, people really did. So we got about a month into this thing, and we were now we're starting to get down to, you know, a weekly meeting. We're starting to get down to, okay, we have kind of a, a blueprint about how many meetings. We're, we had to have meetings about how many meetings we were going to have. We were the board of the church, and we had. I'm, I'm buying into. I'm going to be honest with you. I was 27 now, and I'm buying into this. We got to have meetings about how many meetings we have. We never accomplished anything except we set more meetings. We ordered a little bit of pizza and set more meetings. I'm just being real with you guys. I was a part of it, so I'm not pointing fingers here. Okay, this was my youth and inexperience. It's like Ronald Reagan said one time with Walter Mondale when he was asked, "Should." Age, be a part of this election. And Ronald Reagan, one of the great lines in all presidential debates. No, I refuse to let the youth and inexperience of my opponent become an issue in this election. And, and so I, the, one of the great lines, whether you're Republican or Democrat, even Walter Mondale died laughing on the set, if you remember. But my youth and inexperience is, you know, I'm kind of going along with some of these thoughts. I want to respect all of the, you know, it wasn't just the board now. We had to add, according to the Constitution and bylaws, which is the, by the way, the 67th book of the Bible. Uh, j- just so you know, the Constitution and bylaws said we had to add three more people from the body to make a 10-person pa- uh, pastoral search committee. So we did. Now we got all these all these opinions going. And I heard somebody actually say, well, you know, the last pastor we had wasn't an administrator. We need an administrator. One person said, well, we need, listen, we need an old-fashioned, great preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can run the administration. Another person said, well, what we need is somebody that's seasoned, a little gray hair, a little white hair, if not a lot of gray hair, because we need somebody with experience on how to lead people. I mean, by the time it got done, I'm sitting there going, what we need is Jesus, (laughs) you know? Because there ain't anybody in the United States of America that's going to... No, what we were screaming loudly was, we need an expert. Now, every once in a while, Brother Ole, that's what we all called him, by the way, just a precious friend of ours and a saintly guy, Jim Ole would look at us and he would just simply say, Brothers, we just need the Holy Spirit to lead us. And all the rest of us would go, Oh, Lord Jesus... We're idiots. <laughs> yes, I said the I word on on the broadcast. But it, all of a sudden, we realized something. God was going to, I mean, we started coming together and we realized it wasn't an expert that we needed. We needed God's man or God's woman. Yes. And I did say that, by the way. We we need God's man or God's woman. We need God's choice. Well, turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. It's a story that you're very familiar with, and I want to kind of introduce you to the what I, the story I just told you. I'm taking you back to the story of David and Goliath. 
And if you don't know the details of the story of David and Goliath, I'm just going to give you a little bit of information before I start reading here. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And the Philistines, at the beginning of the chapter, the Philistines all lined up. They are the enemies of Israel. They're all lined up ready to take on Israel. I'm going to give you a shorter version of the story because I don't want to stay too long on the details of the story itself. But I want to look at what God did in the middle or prior, actually, to the story. Uh, so the, the, the Philistines lined up on one side and there is this, what, what the, 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 the Philistines looked at this one guy as a champion. They actually referred to him as their champion named Goliath, nine feet tall, wore a breastplate that weighed, uh, 5,000 shekels in weight. Today's weight, 1,100 pounds. 1,100 pounds. The Bible says that his spearhead alone in the story, his spearhead alone weighed uh, 600 shekels. That would be the spearhead alone was 15 pounds. And he, he also had a, a which was not uncommon, a, a, uncommon for a warrior. They had shield bearers, kind of like a, a golf player has a caddy. Think of him as their caddy. He had to carry the shield because because it's heavy. It takes one man to carry the shield, and so they all the Philistines are lined up. They draw up their battle lines. The Bible says that Israel and King Saul, who is the head of the Israeli army, King Saul, king over Israel at the time, he they said the Bible says they drew up their battle lines. They got their you know they've got their their forces in place, and they're talking about what they're going to do. And all of a sudden, this giant guy comes out of with this boisterous, and you know, there's a valley in between them. Now, I'm going to tell you, my voice will probably carry through that valley. And you ask my daughters that. My voice will carry through a mask. It'll, it'll carry through a mask. A lot of voices won't carry through a mask. My voice, I, I can understand what it is to be misunderstood all your life because your voice is really loud. My whisper is louder than your soft, um, anyway. All of a sudden, Goliath launches this challenge. What are you guys doing? What, are you... Are you not the army of Israel for or King Saul, rather? Aren't you King Saul's army? That's what he refers to him as. Aren't you King Saul's army? Why don't you just send a man? I am one man. Send one man out. You know the story, but I'm going to go through it in case somebody in the room or somebody on this broadcast doesn't know the story. Uh, then all of a sudden, uh, the, the Bible says in this story that King Saul and the warriors were frozen. They were they were taken back by his challenge. Send one man out, and here's the deal. If I win, you become our slaves. Israel does. If we win, we become your slaves. Now, I want you to know that I believe that Goliath is a, is a giant of integrity, that he's going to keep his word if this is going to take, right? I mean, this is a man of, a, a, a person of honor, right? A giant of honor. And so he's going to keep his word. I have a feeling there was nothing true about that statement. In fact, if you read the story, it wasn't true. It wasn't true. And so, so he, he makes the deal with Saul. He yells and, and they are like, dying from fear. They are frozen in fear. These are the warriors. Wait a minute. These are the experts in warfare with Israel. And this king has led battles. They're the experts. They are the experts experts in warfare. And they're lined up to fight on behalf of Israel, including, by the way, three brothers of a little shepherd boy named David that is sent by his father Jesse 
back and forth between the battle lines to take food to his brothers and check on them. He wanted to get a report. Jesse, the father who was elderly at the time, in the years of King Saul, he was quite elderly. And he kept sending, he kept sending David back and forth from the shepherd field all the way up to the battle lines. And he was checking on his brother and all of a sudden, you know, David starts listening to the conversation and he actually hears every morning Goliath would come back out and reissue the statement. And, and, uh, and so he's hearing the challenge, but then he also hears the warriors talking about that if, if someone will go out and represent the kingdom of Israel, the, uh, Saul's army and take down Goliath, he'll get Saul's, uh, he'll get his daughter and he'll have a fortune out of this world as a blessing from King Saul as the warrior who championed over their warrior Goliath. And David's like, okay, what did he say I'm going to get? And you read the story. He's like, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, maybe he had seen Saul's daughter. I don't know. And he said that was that in a lie. I don't know what it was that at that point tipped it. But he said, what did he say? And his brothers heard him say that. He had three brothers in the army of King Saul. And, and they did not like him, by the way. They did not like David, the little baby brother David. They didn't like him. Like, go back to the sheep. Go back and tend the sheep. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can't I even speak here? I just want to speak. Can't I even speak here? This feisty little guy in his, you know, between 12 and 14 years of age approximately, he's a feisty little guy. He said, wait a minute. Can't I even, can't I even have a word here? And Saul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, wait a minute. First of all, nobody else in the story, he's coming up saying, no, king, if we have to depend on this kid, we're in trouble. I'll go out and at least we got a shot. Not even David's brothers are doing that. Y'all know the story? Okay. So all of a sudden, King Saul gives in and he says, here, put my armor on this kid, put my all my breastplate, put everything on this kid. And David is standing there like <laughs> crumbling under the, under the weight of King Saul's armory, that he his, his breastplate and all of the stuff that he'd have gone out with a spear and a, and a sword, you know, a shield, and all of a sudden he's like, I, "This is this ain't gonna work. This is not gonna work. I want to go out there on my terms. I want to go out there on my terms, and I want to start reading to you from there. From uh, I'm going to read approximately from verse 32. So. Uh, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Paul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Can I tell you, David's got a track record of trusting God. I said, David has a track record of trusting God. This is not David's first crisis. And as some people would say, it is not his first rodeo. It's more than a rodeo. He said, David said, you, he said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this circum, uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Did you notice who just what David just called the army? He didn't call him King Saul's army like the Philistine did, like Goliath did. He said, he said, you have defied the armies of the living God. David recognized whose army this really was and that the, and that God was with the people of Israel. 
He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go ahead. The Lord be with you. Can you just imagine the, the oh my God moment that King Saul is having here as he sends this kid. Jump down if you would. He said, uh, we're in verse, uh, approximately verse uh, 39 is where he says, I can't go out in these. He said, I, I, I am, I'm not used to them. He's talking about Saul's armor. And then go, go down to verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bear in front of him kept uh, coming closer to David. He looked, he looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, I, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Because you see, David had grabbed his sling. And five smooth stones. And he put it in his satchel. And that's what he's going to go out to war with. Except that isn't all he was going out to war with Goliath with. He said, and the Philistine cursed the... David, by his gods, come here, he said, I'll give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied today. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And he did, by the way. Today I will give your carcass to the Philistine army and the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all of a sudden David goes after Goliath like he went after the the, the bear and like he went after the lion. He didn't see it as his enemy. He saw him as, as the enemy of the armies of God. And if you know the story, David goes well after him, takes one the one stone places it right in the middle of the forehead, and apparently it didn't kill him, but it did knock him down. David runs over, takes his sword out of his sheath, and he literally lops off the head of Goliath. And uh, and all of a sudden, you know, he's he's got this amazing... For, I, I doubt seriously, I don't know really what was going through David's mind, because the Bible doesn't say so. But all of a sudden, you've got to know Israel, the army of Israel, started cheering. Because they are standing there watching this young kid carry out this i mean he, they're hearing the battle it's just in the valley and this kid is yelling i come against you in the name of the lord god almighty and the god of the armies of israel can i tell you what the army may have been behind up on the hill behind david but god went before him Because David even says in this scripture, David says, you see, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. But I want you to know something. It wasn't just a little kid that went out there that day. You find the secret to David's success in the chapter just before this. Let me tell you, for years I would hear that, you know, in a Sunday school, the story of Goliath and his, of David rather, and his bravery against Goliath, this giant, and he trusted God. Can I tell you, David's secret was found in chapter in chapter uh, 16 turn in your bibles if you would just back to it and and it's found actually in chapter 16 samuel anoints david you see god had already chosen david to take king saul's place get the story god was already recognizing that saul king saul's heart had left him And God had already chosen, because of his disobedience, 
He had totally disobeyed God and left things standing. God told him, when you take this army on, when you take this people on, you wipe them out completely. Don't let one thing stand. Don't take their plunder. And and King Saul did the opposite of that. He disobeyed God. Samuel went and dealt with him. He went straight to him and he said, listen, let me tell you, if you you wonder what he said, this is what Samuel actually uh, uh, said to him. Look, you disobeyed God. You disobeyed God. You listen on that battlefield. You disobeyed God. He said, well, I let those things exist because I want to present them as a sacrifice to the Lord. When we go back and present the sacrifice, he said, let me tell you something. King Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. God's not impressed with your sacrifice when you have disobeyed him to carry out the sacrifice. He said, destroy it all. Don't leave anything standing. God, all, how, how many know God always provides the sacrifice? When, when God leads you, if, if it's a sacrifice financially, if God leads you to give to a ministry or to a person on the side of the street or in a restaurant to pay their bill, if God leads you to do that, how many know God provided you that money to give? God always provides the sacrifice. Everywhere in God's word where there was a sacrifice, God always provided the sacrifice. Man didn't have to collect it on his own and stick it in his stash. How many knows that? Seriously. How many know that God never expects us to create our own sacrifice? He gives the sacrifice of praise even. Did you know that? Every time you walk in this building, he gave you the ability to stand there and just worship God. God gives the sacrifice of praise through your spirit. When you are walking, is what we said at the beginning of this service, when you are saturated with God's spirit, you are walking in the sacrifice of praise at all times because all things we do will honor God. I don't know if you've been here long enough to know our definition of worship. Pastor Mike and Barry, you've been here a long time. Our definition of worship is this. Anything that honors God is an act of worship before God. And and for the spirit-filled believer, those of us that are walking in faith with Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, we are walking in the sacrifice of praise every day. And God provides for the sacrifice. Everything you need today to get through today and to, and listen to me, and to overcome today. He has already provided that sacrifice. This act of David was a sacrifice before the Lord. But you see, God, in, in, in the previous chapter, he had already sent Samuel to choose one of Jesse's boys. And he looks at them all. Jesse runs them all by Samuel. And he says, you got another kid? Because the Spirit is saying, this isn't the one. These, all these kids, they're not the one. And so he says, I got one more. He's tending a field right now. Well, go for him. Go get him. We're not going to sit down until he gets here. He goes and he has uh, David brought before uh, Samuel. And Samuel, here's the Holy Spirit say, that's the one anointing. This little kid is already being anointed to be a great leader. He's an, I, I get this. He's tending sheep and he's being anointed to be king of Israel, of an entire nation. God wasn't just kind of giving him a little anointing here. God gave all of heaven's best when Samuel poured that oil all over David's head. And and his brothers were angry. By the way, when you walk in anointing, somebody might get mad at you. I'm just saying, somebody might get mad at you. If you're walking in faith and they they want to take you down their road of crisis and you say, no, I I just can't go there. I can't adopt your crisis. How many remember years ago, I I, I taught a series on adopt a crisis. And and there are people that really want you to come into their crisis. Come in. I need, you know, what's the old, what's the old, uh, uh, 
saying, uh, let's see, misery loves company. <laughs> hey, come on into my, come into my crisis. I'll feel better if you're in here. Can I tell you what? Be above. This is what God's word says. David walked in above the crisis. He refused to buy into the crisis. And Saul, the king, is standing there. You know, he doesn't know that this kid is his replacement, by the way. He has no clue that this kid's already been anointed to replace him. And he is, that means he is anointed to go out in the name of the Lord God Almighty and actually fight on his behalf. He was a one-man army. But if you think he was out there alone, every angel in heaven could have been unleashed on David's behalf that day. Get the picture. It's not just for David. It's not just for Moses. This is for you and for me, for you that are watching by this broadcast. Listen, there's an anointing. God doesn't go after experts. God chooses, God anoints, and then God raises up when Saul didn't want to yield. God removes Saul, and David became king. God raises up leaders, and he he retracts leaders. He brings them down. If you all worked up about this election, why would you worry about it? Just pray and vote and watch the hand of the Lord. He's not, can I tell you, the rapture's not going to be delayed either way. The second coming of Christ is not going to be delayed in any way. His plans cannot be hindered by man. There's an anointing that is set into the heart of a God-man or a God-woman to carry out God's will no matter what the circumstances are. You think David didn't see the Philistine army way up there ready to trounce on him? When his own army wasn't ready to come down the hill to defend him, his army wasn't coming down that hill. He already knew he was out there without the army. But he knew he was out there with his God, this God that created the heavens and the earth and is still speaking stars into existence. He knew who his anointing was from. You see, the idea that we need an expert now. I just want to ask you this question. Do you realize that God chose you? Do we really realize, little old us, little old us, King David was 12 to 14, little old us, God chose me. God chose me. Now I'm going to tell you something that I just don't like to tell the stories of about myself when I was a little kid, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Years ago, and I, I don't know that I've ever told this story, but years ago, years ago. By the way, before I forget to tell you, it also says just below, and this, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord was upon David. From that day on, before David ever went to battle in, 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 against Goliath that day. The Spirit of the Lord, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord was with David. From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord was with David. When David sinned against God with Bathsheba, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord was with David. Understand, God does not, listen to me, the Spirit of the Lord is with us even in our failures. He's the voice that says stop. He's the voice that says stop. Even in our failures, our worst day, our most hateful day, the Spirit of the Lord is with us when He chooses us. Just below that, in that same chapter, just below it, it says, and the Spirit had departed Saul. And the Spirit had departed Saul. You want to walk in the anointing. You want to walk 
in God's anointing. Now, I don't know what you're facing, but I can tell you, you want to walk in the anointing because God chose you. God chose you. Don't run. Don't, Don't get pulled into someone else's crisis. Go in above the crisis and be the voice that brings calm to the crisis. The voice that stands in a boat with a storm that says, peace, be still. When I was a child, I can remember, I, my, my cousins tell the story. And you may know some of my cousins, JR's girls, some of my cousins. They, they'd say when they'd come babysit my brothers and I, they'd say, that Barry... Now, I'm not, this, this is not, I don't even remember this. I vaguely remember that I might have done something like this, so I might even deny it. But my cousins that are older than me, if y'all are watching, tell the story that when they used to come and babysit us, they'd come from Caledonia, and they'd come from Potosi, and from the Steelville, Missouri area. They'd come up from Crawford County area, and they'd, they'd babysit us for, you know, several days. Mom and Dad would go away. They'd say, I used to line up all of my, back then, there was a, a a, 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 like a boy cowboy named Johnny West. How many remember Johnny West? I had Johnny West. I still got Johnny West, by the way. I still got Johnny West. I used to line my Johnny Wests up and all of his family, and I would preach the gospel to them when I was a little boy. I didn't know that. I, I, I really wish they hadn't told people that. For years, that really embarrassed me that they would tell people that I used to. And we know one day that Barry's going to be preaching the gospel one day. And I'm going to tell you something. If it were up to me, I still would not be. But the Spirit of the Lord gave me direction. If you were looking for an expert pastor in 2000 when Gina and I founded St. Charles River Church, if you were looking for experts, what you had was a CPA, by the way, beautiful CPA, and a hairstylist. That's what you had. In fact, I've said it for years. If you all ever realize you only have a hairstylist as a pastor, you may leave. And by the way, if you didn't know that watching this broadcast, there are actually some in this room that I used to cut their hair. And they still like me. In fact, I think they love me. But I want you to know God is not looking for an expert. God is looking for obedience. Because it's better than sacrifice. Heavenly Father, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, now that you would so raise up within this room, within this broadcast, those that are viewing this broadcast, an army of obedient people who recognize that it's not what we do for you, it is that we are obedient to you and available to you on a daily basis. No matter what it is you send us into, no matter what scenario you send us into, you send us in to be the voice above the crisis. You send us in to be the individual that bring peace into the middle of a storm. You send us in anointed with a this breastplate of righteousness. You send us in with the spiritual armor that you tell us to daily bear to make sure that we're donning those spiritual armaments every day and filling our lives every day with the Word of God. Not the Word of man, not the arguments of man, not the wisdom of man, but the contention that God is the Lord God Almighty and that we serve the risen Savior, the One who loves us more than anyone that He would give His only begotten son for us and i ask you father today that you would raise up an army of those who say spirit of the living god from this day forward rest on me spirit of the living god from this day forward rest on me the same as you rested on david the same as you rested upon moses father in the name of jesus i pray and everyone in this room said 
Amen. Give the Lord a huge hand in the name of Jesus. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. You can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.